You're listening to The Brand Compass, conversations to navigate your way to building a brand fit for purpose and poised for success. Here's your host, Shelley Rosland. Hello there, my friend, and welcome. As you know by now, if you are a regular, this is The Water Cooler, where we have interesting conversations about how your brand meets the humans you serve. I'm Shelley, your host on this conversational journey, and I bring you a topic that is close to my heart today. In fact, this is one of the main drivers of why I designed and built my group program. There's a point in your journey as a solopreneur where you need to start asking for some real help. And yes, I mean the type that does not involve your friend Kevin, who tinkers with websites, your neighbor Sue, who does a bit of writing in the evenings, and let's not forget Jill's son Rory, who is great at art and can snap you up some super special socials, I'm sorry, social graphics for your socials. I'm talking about proper help, the deep and talented kind that makes the difference. When you get to that point in time, and it can be for any time really, you'll find yourself having to answer some reality checking questions. Like, what is it that you really do? What's the problem you're solving? How do you solve it differently from others? How do you make your clients feel? What are their pains, aches and challenges? Where is your business going into the future? That's a doozy, right? And I'm not even going to go into the even more detailed nuances you have to wrap your head around, like visual styling, audio branding, colors, fonts. Yes, I'm talking about when you have to engage freelancers, consultants, or even an agency to help you to pull your professional socks up, to be a grown-up brand that wants to not only be taken more seriously, but also be smarter at how they're doing business. So today I'm going to bring my friend Liz on, a digital marketing friend all the way from Memphis to come and chat to us about a few things that are involved in this tenuous relationship with freelancers or creatives. So let me introduce you to her now and then we can jump straight in. Liz is a digital marketing consultant and runs her agency, Eli Rose Social Media, which covers online marketing, social ads, content strategy, all for small businesses and in-house internal teams. Her corporate employed background before she started a business with her fellow marketing friend Kristen in 2011 was centered around consumer behavior and buying habits and what causes a customer to make the buying decisions that they do. I would describe Liz as a no-nonsense highly knowledgeable professional who is approachable and easy to talk to. She's married to Craig and they have two teenage daughters and they live in Memphis, the home of Graceland. <laughs> Welcome, Liz. <laughs> Thanks. That's quite an introduction. I, I need to have more Shelly in my life if I'm always going to have someone saying such amazing things about me. <laughs> there we go. There we go. This is how we have good conversations. Though, don't yes, we? we need to uh, rec yes. recognize the geniuses that we have. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, so we, we have like a commonality of a pain in our lives, right? And it's, I feel like it's, it's the elephant in the room that we probably need to throw onto the table and, and start off our conversation. And I feel like it's this chasm between the entrepreneur 
and the freelancer. And I wanted to pick your brain a little bit because we come from a similar small agency background, similar types of services that we do for clients. So I'd like your take on this. How important is it to find the right freelancer for the right job? Oh, it's incredibly important for all kinds of reasons. <laughs> so, not, I mean, starting with your own sanity, the quality of work getting done that you don't want to find out three months down the road that, you know, things weren't actually getting done properly or the person maybe who you hired didn't, doesn't actually have the qualifications that you thought that they had. Or obviously, if they're, if they're somebody who is also directly preparing or doing work for your client versus like maybe you're hiring them to do work for yourself, then you'd have like the client issue to deal with because the client is unhappy with your work. So there's many, many layers to wanting to or needing to really finding the right people to hire and bring in, whether they're like a one-off contractor, someone just for a project or some kind of agency that you're going to hire and work with on an ongoing basis for a long time. I think it's pretty difficult for people. I mean, because we're in it, we understand the differences, right? Because I, I always say, even like with copywriters or marketers or, or anybody working in social media, they're not necessarily all created equal, right? So it's, I suppose, I suppose, Maybe there's some tips we could give people to kind of highlight maybe the kinds of questions they should be asking, or if you've got some tips for people to really identify, you know, what's a good freelancer over what's not a good freelancer, I'll kind of throw it to you. What, what, how can we help the people listening? So one thing that I've just noticed over the years of doing this, because, you know, as, as Shelly mentioned, I mean, I've had my business for over 12 years now, and then I, you know, I was in the corporate and corporate offline world before that. There are, and I know like Shelly and I sort of grew up in a, one we section did. of this world. You know, there was years ago where it was really pushed that like you had to be an expert in like one thing, just pick one platform, something yes. like that, and just be known for that one platform. And I never bought into it because it just didn't make sense to me for a whole bunch of reasons that aren't really worth getting into now. But it's been interesting that over time, I just saw um, actually a clip of a podcast interview a couple days ago of someone who was like, oh, this is, I remember him. He has, he has different hair now, but this is at least like the third topic that he's supposedly an expert in because every time some new fad came along, because that's yes. something you have to be aware of. People will jump on it to be like, oh, hey, I'm an expert in this thing. You know, over the course of time, we've seen, I feel like I've seen more new platforms come and go than there are that have been around in, you know, the 10 plus years that I've been doing yes. this. Yes. But also, I feel at least, I mean, I've always felt this way, but I feel like more people have been realizing the last couple of years that there's so much interconnectivity between social media and your website and online and marketing in general, and everything kind of feeds into everything else. Like if you have an email list, you can upload that email list, for example, to every social ads platform or even Google ads to try to then advertise to those people. You know, you can write a blog post that you're using for SEO purposes, but you're also sharing on social. You're also putting into your email marketing there are principles like SEO that continue to be seen in more and more social platforms, you know. So just the nature of the platforms or the industry in general has been changing over time. But one thing when you're hiring, 
you like you don't need to hire somebody who's an expert in all of it, but they need to understand more than just one thing, because in order to establish as well as grow your small businesses or your solarpreneur online presence, you have to understand how all of these things are interconnected, you know, and there's a lot of best practices or foundational understandings that carry through as so many of these various platforms mature and add on new features or, you know, or whatnot over time. Like, so that's just like one example of understanding like SEO and SEO principles, you might be learning that for your website or hiring somebody, you know, for that purpose. But those SEO fundamentals really cross so many platforms at this point. And so we've just seen that more and more for all these different parts of, you know, online marketing. So you don't want someone who's just knows one thing. They really need to understand, like you don't have to be a website developer, but you need to have someone who kind of understands conceptually at least, how that works with everything else in order to be doing the best possible job for you. Yeah, and I think, so one of the tips I'm hearing what you're saying, which is what I agree with, is the element of whoever it is that you're talking to that you want to come and help you in your business. Number one, make sure that they actually can do the thing that you want them to do, whatever that is. But I think, and this is true for all marketing segments of of our field, is you do want someone that does understand the context of what they do in the perspective of the whole field. And that the one thing that they do is not in isolation. They need to be able to explain to you as a client, where does it fit? And we got to understand, right, that these social media elements are actually just channels. They're just pathways to accessing an audience. And this is probably going to bring us on to, to one of the things I wanted to talk a bit about today, because I know AI is a big issue, but I'm going to park that at the moment, because I think this was an issue before AI came to be, is this bit, and you alluded a little bit to when you were talking about website and blogging, is this whole element of original content. So how much of this original content do you kind of, and I know you probably do do this, that's why I want you'd explain it to the audience, is how much do you bleed this kind of value into your clients to go original content and more importantly, quality? Of original yes. content. So one of my tenants that I, I live by with, you know, and explain to all my clients, part of my recommendations is always to do more with less. Because especially as a small business owner or a solopreneur, you, you know, medium sized or larger companies, they have entire departments dedicated to just one part of running a business. So in the online world, whether it's social media or you're chasing like funnels or landing page software or different kinds of ads or like there are so many things that you can do or you hear about or you're told are must do's. So you when you just when you spread yourself too thin, you're not going to be effective at anything. Now, maybe eight to 10 years ago, if you wanted to jump on like five or six social platforms, you could kind of make that work because the algorithms weren't so impossible, but that's just not the case anymore. And so many platforms have gone deeper. I mean, I remember when Instagram was just a single photo sharing app and now I'd have to like actually list out all the different kinds of formats and placements and things that you can do on Instagram, you know? So one part of this doing more with less is you need to have your own website, which, you know, we can, I, I feel like we'll probably talk about that, that you own and control. You, yes. I would say, have 
at one social media platform, potentially you want to, but I would say like, if you're, if you're not, if you're not even really, if you either haven't used social before, or you're not really doing much with those that you have, get one working for you fully. And that way it's good for you to get in the habit and figuring out like how that fits into your time and your marketing plan, you know, like everything else that you're doing. So like make one yes. thing work. And then have, um, so if you kind of almost think of like a triad, have something that some kind of content that you're producing, that's your original content. So it's like online, there's a lot of ways, like not even getting into the AI piece, you know, you can always find stuff to um, maybe share, discuss in for email content or in a social post or whatever, because lots of other people create content, right? So you can share their content, but that's not showcasing you and your expertise and your voice and your approach and all of your experience and, you know, your strategy and your thoughts. So if yes. you aren't creating something that represents you, A, all this work that you're doing to say like post or, you know, send emails or whatever, run ads, it's not going to be as effective because it's not you showcasing your own talents, but hmm. um, also like you, there's just nothing that that is authentically you from like a marketing and selling standpoint. So hmm. I think there needs to be one thing. Um, it could be what is easiest for you to produce. So like a lot of people get scared by making videos, you know, so maybe that's hmm. not what you choose. Maybe you are a great photographer, so photographs are part of how you tell your story. Um, if or uh, obviously writing, or podcasting, mm -hmm. yes. So if you're just you like to talk better, and podcasting is better. Blogging. Um, I even had as an example, if you kind of want to figure out how to maybe not that I want to. You know, I'm not trying to go too far into the repurposing point, but I had a client who he it was just easier for him, let's just say to like record audio, like he would make videos, not necessarily that these videos were all produced or whatever, but it was easier for him to do that and then have like us listen to it and put that into a blog format. So, um, so if you also feel like you're not a writer, <laughs> but you want to go ahead and still share thoughts, that would be like an example of a way for you to get out that information then have someone else kind of who has those writing skills, um, someone on your team, perhaps, who can formulate yeah. that into a blog post for you. So you do want to have some element of you creating original content along with your own website and at least one social platform. Yeah, so I think this will, this will bring us on to, to what I think both of us find incredibly um importance and almost like a central core to whatever you're creating is is to is to do this on owned land right mm -hmm. versus rented 100%. land and that's yes. that's why we're saying website is important to have your own website i know what my reasons are so i'll just i'll just chuck in after you've done yours but i'll probably match yours anyway um if you had to just explain the concepts of hopefully everybody's pretty a fay with it, but if someone listening's not terribly a fay with it, the concept of the difference between rented and owned land, and maybe throw in this element of the Zuckerbergs of the world and the Musks of the world <laughs> and the risks that they play for our because they do play a big risk for our businesses as well. If you can throw that in, and then I'll 
I'll pop in afterwards with my two cents. Sure. So, I mean, first of all, every business really needs a website. I mean, that's just a standard expectation for consumers of every kind and any kind of industry. So you, you want to have your own website. But um, the ease or the sense that it's free, it can be a small business owner can say, well, I'll just set up a Facebook page or I'll just set up an Instagram account and people can see that I have, here's my phone number, or here's my address or whatever, you know, they can place orders through me this way or whatever. And you just, the bottom line is you ultimately have absolutely zero control over something like a Facebook or an Instagram or any social platform uh, because you aren't ultimately in control, the Zuckerbergs or the Elon Musks or whoever else, uh, Adam Oseri is of th those people are, are um, in control. And um, I mean, we've seen over the years how like algorithms have changed, features have come and go. I mean, I don't know that there's anybody who has some kind of uh, social presence, either marketers like me and Shelly or people um, who own their own business that have been online for a while. I don't know anyone who doesn't know at least one person who has incorrectly gotten blocked out of their account or been yes. hacked and lost access to their account, you know, yes. and, and we all know there's no way to pick up the phone and be like, hey, Zuckerberg. <laughs> Like exactly. there is literally zero customer service in, in like the social media world. Right. Whereas sure. Of course, if you want to say, well, someone could log into a different account. If someone like hacked your website, your hosting company, you can a directly call them or chat them, <laughs> which you can't do anywhere else. But B, you can just, you know, put your site right back up from a backup. It's not like you're, you know, you're not literally have lost everything. Like you would lose everything in um, a social situation where you're you're just building on rented land that you're just growing this following you don't have you're not collecting email addresses from these people you are just really at the will of the algorithms you're at the will of i mean we just this last year i mean we saw how because you know meta wants to be like everybody else the big push towards reels. And then finally they were like, Hey, I think we overcorrected with our focus on video and now they're swinging back again. So, um, you're just, it also makes you crazy. Cause if you keep trying to chase these algorithms and these changing rules, like, Oh my goodness, that that's a whole, uh, extra layer of stress on your already full plate as a small business owner. But you really want to have at least one thing like your website or your website. And if, if you are going to incorporate email marketing, those are the two things that you truly own and control. And you don't have to, you know, be worried about building on rented land and someone just poof taking away from you with no warning or even no reason, um, you know, in case it, in the cases of people who get hacked or they get some kind of bogus, you know, profile shutdown that says that they've somehow violated a, um, some kind of, you know, rule or term of Never. service, <laughs> even though they've done yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. nothing wrong. It's a big gamble. But I think the other thing I'd extend it to, and I don't know if you've noticed this, Liz, is even when people are creating podcasts, I'm like alarmed how many people will, for example, put it up on their free hosting and not do anything else with it so then so when they're trying to push people to go and listen to it even you know they'll push people to like a podbean page or an anchor fm page and i even you know so it's kind of like guys listening 
just remember that wherever you're driving attention to, you want to try and have the most control. So by having a home on your website for your blog, for your podcast, you know, you're actually driving attention to something you can measure as well. Because I find like the insights, I don't know if this is a frustration for you, but the insights that you get from the social media platforms, you know, to tell you how great you are (laughs) of views and engagement and, oh, aren't you fancy because you've done this and that, that changes all the time. So you actually have very little metrics that are solid other than the stuff that you own that actually you can not control more, but at least you have benchmarks that you don't feel like you're losing the will to live. (laughs) Would you say (laughs) that with insights? (laughs) We, we don't want to lose the will to live. That would be very, very bad. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's hard enough, isn't it? Trying to, one, produce the content because that takes time and effort. So what you want to be doing is that making sure that you're maximizing any of that time and attention you've spent in creating that content to make sure that you like you drain the juice as much as you can out of that. Mm -hmm. And you you said a little bit before about repurposing and literally that's just coming into, okay, you've created one big, I call it a hero form of content. I don't know what you call like a podcaster, blogger, a Mm -hmm. video. Do you use kind of similar terms, hero content? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So taking that hero content and then repurposing that, but always driving people back to what you own. I think that is probably the key, the key message, because that's the only thing you've got control over. And hopefully linking it. One thing to make people maybe feel a little bit more encouraged about creating their own content is that it is not something that you just share once or use once, um, either in, in its original form. So first of all, if it is a video, obviously you can reshare the link, re-upload the video file. If it is a blog post, same thing with the podcast. If it's a blog post, you can share that more than once. But also because there's so much knowledge that's shared within whatever that form of content is, you can pull out. I always say like nuggets of wisdom. You can pull out those different points to make additional social media posts or say if you you did one um, blog post where you're talking about five tips to do something, Maybe each one of those tips, you want to do a short because, you know, short video are all the thing are all the rage right now. Right. You just do a short video talking about each one of those five tips. And then suddenly you have five new pieces of content, which you can always link up your blog post in the caption, you know, of that when you're sharing those social posts. So like you don't because one thing that I run into when people feel like the hurdle with the creating content is they either think, well, what am I going to talk about? Or I don't have enough talk about, or they feel like they did all this work to create it. And then they just, you know, share it once. And then it just, you know, like all the effort was for naught. but that's just simply not the case. Like creating one piece of content just keeps giving and giving in so many more ways. So And also just directs your attention because hopefully when you've created a content plan, hopefully you have a content plan. So probably one of my tips would be if you're going to work with an agency or freelancer or someone who's going to help you with content strategy, for example, is that there is a plan so you don't run out of momentum. But also part of their plan is to link, like you said, that knowledge and the value that you've got. So part of its job is to, you know, display or demonstrate your expertise, but it also needs to link at the end of the day to something that's going on with the customer that attracts their attention and makes them raise their hands. Because ultimately you, well, you want to do the free content in order to, you know, raise awareness and get people to get to know you. Ultimately you want to close that loop and you want to, you want to get that person into your circle that you can control, which is your database, which is your email. 
So it's kind of linking the content, but having purposeful content. Does that, does that resonate? So for anybody listening, so again, let's think of them. They're subject matter experts, potentially mostly knowledge experts or knowledge workers. So they are consultants or people that are advising or mentoring or, you know, uh, coaching others on a particular topic. If they had, because you, you must be working with similar types of people, right? Service-based business that are very similar to who's listening today. What would you say their top tips if they're, they are subject matter experts? So what would you give as their, their biggest tip around creating content as a subject matter expert? What do you think they should have front of mind if they want to stand out over somebody else who's maybe doing the same thing? So assuming that they've already chosen the kind of content that they're most comfortable producing because you know, ultimately, whatever content you start, you want to continually do it. You know, you don't want to get all hyped up that you're going to start creating content. And then you're just like, okay, three months have gone by, you know, so you do need to be honest with yourself, you know, (laughs) about what kind of content and like the the pace that you can keep up because it's like slow and steady, you know, wins the race. If all you can do is like one blog post a month, let's say, that's still going to be better than doing like one a week. And then after six weeks, it starts dropping off like this. And then you have like, you know, nine months, you haven't done anything. So be realistic with all that. So, so you're going to choose the content that you want to produce. If you want to kind of elevate this beyond just saying like, well, I'm just going to like make a podcast or I'm just going to record videos. I would say being more conscious of what that content plan is so you can be strategic with that content. Nice. If you either mm-hmm. want to kind of do sort of like whether or not you're officially calling it a series, but if you're trying to like specifically rev up to to something that you're either going to try to promote, you know, and of course you nice. don't want all your content mm-hmm. to be necessarily promotional in nature, Selling. but you know, if, if there's something that, you know, like there's a runway needed because you have something in the future, maybe your content is strategic leading up to that thing you're going to do or that new service you're going to release in three or four months. But you there's also an element of being strategic in that it's good to do your foundational level content pieces first mm-hmm. so that you can then get more specific later on. So like in, in my, in like, in my world, just to be an easy thing, cause we were talking about like, you know, social media, if you wanted to do, like, if you were going to talk about doing some kind of social ads, you'd want to do like a social ads 101 or just like the basics of Facebook paid ads before you start talking about the more specific, like, here's what you need to know, like just about conversion ads, or here's like, how you how you need to do split testing or here's copy tips for your your ad copy so you want to get the basics of like how it works why use it what you need to get set up right done first so um i would say just like carry that through you know for whatever kind of content that you want to talk about um i feel like most businesses kind of have I think of it as like buckets of content. I mean, because even, I mean, obviously your business is one thing or you work in one industry. There's probably still a few sort of categories of content or if you want to think about it from the standpoint of like, if you have a couple different typical kinds of clients or customers, maybe you want to think about it as creating content for them or what their specific pain points are or something like that. So 
it, it, that would be kind of an elevated way beyond just making nice. more content is that you're being strategic with your content plan. You know, what you're doing now is, is specifically driving to a certain purpose, making sure you get those foundational topics covered nice. first before you go deeper in them, stuff like that. Because also just from a practical standpoint, if you're doing a podcast or a video, you can reference that foundational <laughs> video or podcast episode. And if you're writing blog posts, you can link back to those foundational pieces. That way you don't have to spend time explaining the steps to do the basic stuff. You can get into, you know, here's that more elevated set of information or instructions or whatever, you know, nice. um, for the, the current blog post that you're writing. So just for practically, it, it makes a lot of sense too. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're saying like for subject matter experts, there should be a natural follow on from how you would normally think anyway, if you were to do consulting for a client and try and meet them where they are as a subject mm -hmm. matter expert, maybe take your content journey with you. So when we talk about you being an expert in a space, you kind of, you while you have the perspective of knowing the whole subject area, your client doesn't. So you've almost got to take a couple of steps back, meet the client where they are. Mm -hmm. So maybe plan your content journey with that, almost like you would as a consulting part. You'd, you'd have to question the client first, wouldn't you? And go, okay, where's their knowledge sitting at the moment? So how do I start to plant the seeds that will help them progress along their journey? Maybe that would help them in terms of the content plan as well. And I really feel like those are fundamentals that are good for all parts of your online marketing, because like when you talk about websites, I see far too often because small business owners like you are the center of your business. So, so many things yeah. seem so obvious to you and you don't realize yes. the level of detail or the depth of explanation that you need to, to give so that someone who's on the outside of your business really understands like what the heck your business is all about or what you do or why you're actually good at what you do or what your experience is. So yeah, always try to view it as like someone from the outside, you know, and like what would they need to know? Don't assume that they know anything. Assume they know nothing and start your plan from there <laughs> when you start building up. So so that's important for content, but I think that's important for, you know, like your website design and what the content is on your website, you know, things like that. And I think there's this, I can't remember who originally said this, but somebody said, you know, where you are thinking of trying to explain what it is that you do and translate what it is you do, think like you are explaining it to an 11 year old and you'll actually be able to just simplify things so that people can really understand what it is that you do. And that's a good rule of thumb, obviously, give or take. <laughs> Maybe a slightly older teenager, but it does actually help to just translate because sometimes if you are too good at something, your language is also too advanced. So you've almost got to bring it down a notch, isn't it? Oh, Liz, we could carry on forever, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've probably got to bring it to a close though. I think we both yeah. we both started our agencies around about, I think I started 2010, you started 2011. So we were, we, we were, we did grow up. We did grow up together in the old yes. agency world. Yeah. I really love how you've really um, just retained your professionalism over that time I, I just oh, like you, you have a wonderful sense of humor you're smart <laughs> I love having you in my circle of professional friends and for anybody who's listening today who actually would like to learn more about you and what you do they may well be in the U.S. we don't know maybe I can come visit in Memphis and 
Seahorse Graceland again. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I'll take you on a tour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How can they um, how can they find you, Liz? So my website is elirose.com. That's E-L-I-R-O-S-E.com. Otherwise, you can find me or my business on, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, recently canceled out the whole Twitter slash thread. Me accounts, too. But uh, Instagram, you know, personally and professionally. So Eli Rose social, Eli Rose social media, just depending on the username characters or Liz Jostis on, on all those platforms. Perfect. Lovely. Thank you so much for joining me today for the conversation and sharing how oh, you dig into great. all of this. Thank you. It was so much fun. Yes. And you'll always be it the lady that was. introduced me to Ted Lasso. To Ted Lasso. <laughs> I should have brought, I have so many things. I should have brought something just to like, you know, hold up in solidarity with For you. the video. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> All right, thank you so much. And that's it for this episode, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. Did that help you to reflect on where you are right now and how you work with freelancers? Which of those points hit you in the gut more? Don't feel bad. Think more about them and make a change. Honestly, you will feel the difference of working properly with a professional freelancer or creative. Who do you know that could do with hearing this conversation and Liz's insights? Share this episode. You know you want to. Until next time, stay strong, believe you have value and make good brand decisions. Thank you for listening to The Brand Compass. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it with your entrepreneurial friends and help them make good brand decisions. Until next time, let's keep the conversation going at shellyrosland.com.